Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. All right, good morning, everybody. How are you this morning? A few of you are good. That's awesome. And this is week three of the series, The Monster Inside of Me. And see, we've been looking through this lens of fictional characters and discovering that underneath the surface of every one of us, a monster is lurking. And that monster takes on various shapes and sizes. It, it rears its ugly head in the most unsuspecting times and it has the, this incapacitating power over us. And maybe you're here and, and you can identify that the monster in your life that you've battled with is the monster of fear. Or maybe for others in the room, it's a monster of loss or regret. Maybe for some of you, you identify with a, a monster of hopelessness. And the thing about these, these monsters is that they're fully dependent on what I feed it. And they affect the way that I think, the way that I believe, the way that I act. And I think that most of us in this room could identify what we struggle with. Maybe not all of us, but I think we could identify what we struggle with. And the thing is, we hate it about ourselves, don't we? There's a scripture in Romans chapter 17, verse 15 through 16, and it says, What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way. I want to do what's right. I want, to, I want to aim my life in the right direction, but, but then I act another, doing the things that I absolutely despise. You see, I think most of us could identify that, that we feel this way sometimes. And then it says, so if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and to do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. And that's what this series is all about. Here's the good news. You and me, we don't have to feed the monster inside of us any longer. There is hope that is found because God has a better plan for you and for me. And he's equipped us with the tools to defeat the monster inside of me. So we've just got to be willing to open our eyes, to identify what it is, and then to go, all right, it's time to slay that thing. And that's what this series is all about. So before we dive in today, I just want to pray for us. So can I invite you to bow your head and close your eyes? And I'm going to pray. Dear Jesus, I just thank you for what you're doing in this room today. God, I thank you that, that you are gently, as you always do, leaning in close to each and every one of us, putting your finger on the, the areas of our life that, that we need help in. And God, I thank you that you are our source of help. You are our source of hope. So today, God, would you just lean in close to each and every one of us and speak to us individually and uniquely. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, that was my break to take a drink of water. <laughs> everybody said is, amen. We're just saying, I agree. I'm in this with you. So I hope you're excited and ready to hear the word today. Because today we are looking through the lens of a fictional monster that is lifeless, but is functioning as alive. And this fictional monster is dun, da, 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 a zombie. How many of you think it's not if, it's when? Anybody? 
If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay, the others do. Listen, a zombie, when we look at these characters, we see them often portrayed on TV. I mean, I feel like this has been the, the monster of choice lately, right? On every movie and every TV show, we see zombies. And the thing about zombies is that they're mobile. They're able to move around, but they're technically dead. And the thing about zombies is that when you take a look at them, they are in a decaying state. And the thing that is also blows my mind is that they're lifeless, but they're still hungry. They have this insatiable desire to keep feeding on human life. And the thing about zombies is they're non-communicative. They can't talk to you. They don't have relationship with you. They don't express feelings. And that zombie kind of character leads me into the idea that I want to talk about today about one of the real monsters that we face. And this is the monster of hopelessness or the monster of being stuck. You know, we've had an incredible series so far. And if you've missed the first two messages, then I just want to encourage you, go listen to the podcast because it has been amazing. But today we're going to talk about the monster of hopelessness. You know, have you ever felt like you were moving, but you were getting nowhere? Anybody? Have you ever felt like you were stuck in a situation and unlike a zombie who we can see the fact that they're decaying on the outside, maybe you look like you've got it all together on the outside, but there's a decay that's happening on the inside of you. Do you ever feel aimless or reckless? You know, when we, we look at the fictional character of the zombies, we see them um, operate in two different ways, don't we? Sometimes we see zombies who are just limping through life, just no direction whatsoever, dragging themselves round in circles, no direction, aimless. And maybe you can identify with that. Maybe you feel like you've been limping through life. Maybe you feel like you don't actually have any real direction or purpose. Or maybe you're here today and you're like the other kind of zombies that we look at who are just running recklessly. When you see them depicted in movies, we see them just throwing their bodies into the middle of traffic or into a tree and just running recklessly through life. Maybe you feel like you're running recklessly because you've just given up hope that it's not going to get any better. Maybe you find yourself battling this monster of hopelessness, feeling lifeless on the inside, but yet this insatiable hunger for something more. Maybe you can relate today. You know, one of the things we've been looking at as we've been going through this study of, of just the monster inside of me is we've been working with a brilliant woman in our church who introduced us to this concept called restoration therapy. And restoration therapy just kind of sheds some light into why we struggle with the things that we struggle with. And this feeling of hopelessness is actually a feeling of being stuck. And it stems from a violation of trust. Isn't that interesting? Or a perceived violation of trust. And as I was looking at this, I found that we develop trust in three different ways. We develop trust by situations that are predictable and reliable. I think we can all understand that, can't we? We develop trust through openness when there's no secrets. And I think all of us look for that in relationships. We also develop trust based upon fairness. Based upon fairness, the balance of give and take. And violations of these things can lead to confusion over the safety in our relationships, which then triggers these feelings. And see if you identify with any of these. Maybe feeling unsafe or insecure, 
used, helpless, powerless, out of control, or maybe controlled, vulnerable. Maybe it's disconnected. Maybe you just struggle with feeling unknown or abandoned, feeling just like a failure, invalidated, not measuring up or unfair. And one of the ways that we tend to cope with these feelings is through escape behaviors. And those might be things like just being completely irresponsible or disconnected, not having any kind of connection to people. Maybe you deal with it through addiction or numbing out. Feelings of being out of control, provocative, unreliable, secretive, impulsive, avoidant, selfish. Maybe you tend to withdraw to escape from the reality that you're facing. You know, every single one of us could possibly identify the monster inside. And if, if you're dealing with the monster of hopelessness or the monster of just feeling stuck, let me identify a couple pain cycles that you might identify with. I don't know. But there's, there's a possible pain cycle that maybe you relate with. And, and you grew up maybe in a home with a parent who was extremely critical. Maybe it was a mom or a dad. And now you're often trapped feeling like you just don't measure up. And when you think about the future, you think about everything that could go wrong. And you think about how you won't measure up. And then to cope with this feeling, you become avoidant of anything related with the future at all, including making any kind of movement forward. And then the people around you become more critical. And that leads to a deeper feeling of being a failure. So instead of taking a step forward, you actually just numb out from people and from feelings and from everything until you get stuck. And you could do this in many different ways. Maybe it's through TV. Maybe it's through drugs. Maybe it's through porn. I don't know what the situation might be for you. But you find your life either aimless or reckless. Or maybe you're here today and you grew up in a home that was unpredictable and emotionally and physically unsafe. And you felt powerless over escaping or changing anything. So you learned that during the uncertainty or yelling or, or hitting to just go numb. And when you grew up, you got to leave your home. And maybe you're here today and you found God. And God began to heal those wounds and change the situation for you. And now you find yourself, you're in a good marriage. But your job is exhausting. And when you come home, your wife is often critical and and you just feel powerless over your situation. So in order to cope, you find yourself vegging out in front of the TV every night. And your wife and kids are trying to connect with you, but you just tell them you're tired. And then your wife becomes more critical, and you numb out more, unsure of what to do. Or maybe you're here, and you grew up in an environment that just made you feel like you were always being handed the short end of the stick. And that fostered a performance mentality inside of you, this need to prove your worth. And now, insecurity and comparison become the lens in which you view the whole world. And you watch others accomplish their dreams, and this fosters this competitive and jealous thing inside of you. And it limits your perspective, as well as your relationships. You know, you continue to look like an outsider in the windows of everyone else's life which perpetuates your own feelings of being stuck. And now you feel not just that life is unfair, but that God is unfair. And you begin to self-destruct 
from the inside out and you limit any new effort towards any goal or dream because your experience has not met your expectation. And may maybe you're convinced it never will. You know, it's interesting because this monster of hopelessness, this monster of feeling stuck, it feeds on things. And I found it interesting that just like a zombie feeds on human life, this monster of hopelessness or being stuck, it actually feeds on human life as well. It feeds on a buffet of comparison and competitiveness and criticism and jealousy. And many of us are aware of this because when we open up social media and we look at the highlight reel of everyone else's life, that thing begins to stir inside of us and we feed upon the comparison and the monster of hopelessness or feeling stuck grows larger and larger. And maybe you identify with that. And you're sitting here going, okay, but now what? And so I want you to know that there's hope. And just like we can slay a zombie, we can slay the monster of hopelessness. Does anyone in the room know how you kill a zombie? Anybody? I googled it, Nicholas knows. I googled it. You kill a zombie by destroying their brain. At least that's what Google says. You kill a zombie by destroying their brain. That means you chop off their head or you shoot them in the head, but it's all about getting rid of what's going on up here. And how do you kill the monster of hopelessness, the monster of feeling stuck? It starts with the renewal of the mind. You know, the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 2 tells us this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Listen, it is possible to renew our mind. It says that by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We have been given the ability to renew our minds. And I don't know if you know this, but every single person in this room, everybody just kind of tap your chest because I'm talking about you. Every single person in this room is made up of three parts. We are body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. And the body is the brain. The soul is actually your mind. And God designed you in such a unique way that you can actually, your mind has the ability to step outside of the body and tell your brain what it's going to think. You know, a great author and speaker and neuroscientist, her name is Dr. Caroline Leaf. She explains it like this. As you think, you choose. Now, everybody in this room is thinking right now. I don't know what you're thinking. Maybe it's about lunch. Maybe it's about the message. But you're thinking. And as you think, you choose. And as you choose, you cause genetic expression to take place in your brain. And this means that you make proteins. And proteins are actually forming thoughts. And thoughts are real physical things that occupy mental real estate in your brain. Listen, if you were to look at the brain, you would see these things that look like trees that represent your thoughts. And the cool thing about it is they're always changing. It's called neuroplasticity. And neuro stands for brain. Plasticity, plastic, stands for can change. See, God created you with the unique ability to be able to renew your mind. You get to choose the thoughts that you build. And you can replace negative thoughts with positive thoughts. But listen, it is exhausting. It's a lot of work. It doesn't just happen naturally. It takes some effort. 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us this. 
We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Listen, any thought that you're thinking that does not line up with what the word of God says, we can tear it down. It says if we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, we have the ability to take captive toxic thoughts to tear those things down and to replace it with good thoughts that line up with the word of God. But this is going to take some effort from us. But this is how we slay the monster of hopelessness. You know, I want to tell you a story about a man in the Bible. And, and I love this story because this man in the Bible, he was obviously battling the monster of hopelessness or feeling stuck. He obviously was there, and I'm going to show you why. In the book of John, verse 5, 1 through 9, it says this. Now there in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. And in these colonnades lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. So it's setting up the scene for you here. We're at a place called Bethesda. And Bethesda is this pool of water in the center of a temple area. And rumor has it that occasionally an angel of the Lord would come and stir up the water. And the first person into the pool would be healed. Now, I don't know if this is factual or not. It sounds a little bit absurd. But, so, you know, God, he surprises us all the time. He's all about doing things in unconventional and unusual ways. And so whether this is truth or a legend, what we do know is that a bunch of sick people were here. They showed up here, and they were waiting for a miracle. And it goes on to continue. It says one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. That is a long time. That's like my entire lifespan. He had been laying there by that pool for 38 years. I think it's safe to say that this man had to be battling the monster of hopelessness, the monster of feeling stuck. And when Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew, because Jesus, when he shows up on the scene, he already knows what's going on. It says he knew that he'd already been there a long time. Jesus says to him, do you want to be healed? Now, I just think that's a strange question to ask a man who's at the pool of Bethesda, the place where people go for healing, who has been laying there for 38 years. I mean, obviously, he wants to be healed, right? Isn't that the reason that he's here? But Jesus knew that such a huge part of this man's battle was taking place in his own mind. And so the sick man answers him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And and while I'm going, another steps down before me. This is a classic response to the monster of hopelessness, this blame or shame mentality. And I don't know exactly what he was saying here when he's saying, I have no one here that can help me. I don't know if he was taking on the shame of the fact that he felt though he had destroyed every relationship he'd ever had and he didn't have anybody there that was gonna walk with him through this. I don't know if it was a shame mentality. I don't know if he was just feeling like it was all his fault, or I don't know if he was blaming. No one's here to help me. There's nobody who's even paying attention to me. Nobody understands what I'm walking through. I don't know what it was, but he sure was expressing something like this. And then he goes on into comparison. Well, everyone else gets to go first. When the water stirred, somebody always gets in before me. And maybe you identify with that. Maybe the monster of hopelessness, of feeling stuck, has just got you constantly feeling like everyone else gets to go first. They got pregnant. They got the job promotion. 
They got an increase in their salary. They found a man. They're getting married. They got a house. They're friends with everybody. Maybe you just view the world through, they always get it and I don't. You see, this man, he'd been here for 38 years, facing the same issue. So why do you think that when Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed, why do you think he didn't just say, yes? I think that he was trying to express his answer like this. Yes, I want to be healed, but I can't. I've tried everything that I know how to do. I want to get in the water. I want to be healed, but I lack the ability. I've got nobody to help me. I've given up. I have no hope. You see, Jesus knew that for this man to beat the monster of hopelessness that had taken over him, it was not just a change in his circumstances. He had to change his thinking. Now, I just wonder if he had become so disillusioned by doubt and disappointment that he had just lost hope. And I wonder what you have stopped praying for and what you have stopped believing for because you just don't want to be disappointed again. Maybe you've told yourself it's always been this way, it's always going to be this way. And here this man is. He just keeps showing up at the pool like lots of us show up at church on the backs of someone who's willing to carry us there but with no real hope or expectation for anything to change. See, one theologian says the sick man does what nearly all of us do. He limits God's help to his own ideas and he doesn't dare promise himself more than he conceives in his own mind. So what's Jesus do? Jesus speaks to him in verse 8 and he says to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his mat and he walked. You see, I think for you and me today, if you walked in the room, and, and I, I've got to tell you, I identify with this monster. It tries to rear its ugly head in my life all the time. This monster of hopelessness, this monster of feeling stuck like it's never going to get better than it is. And if you're here today and you're battling with that thing, I think that there are three simple steps that Jesus just gave to the man that he gives to every one of us today. And he tells him, get up, pick up, and walk. So I believe that there are three ways for us to slay the monster of hopelessness in our own lives. And the first one is to get up. Let me hear you say it. Say, get up. You got to participate with me this morning. Get up. You see, what Jesus asks him to do right there is he asks him to do the impossible. His first instruction to him is to do the impossible, to get up. Because see, if Jesus says that it's possible, it must be possible. The thing about faith is faith is a muscle. You've got to exercise it. The Bible says faith without works is dead. And listen, if you don't understand faith, faith is believing in things you cannot see yet. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, some of you have become so defined by your circumstances that you don't have any hope for the future. And maybe you're hearing, and you don't even know what the promises of God are for you. But I want to challenge you that there is a promise of God for every situation you might be walking through in your life right now. And it's found in his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
So it's time for us to get our expectation stirred up again. And if you don't know what those promises are, I'm going to tell you what Pastor Kerry told you a week or so ago. Google it. If you're walking through a situation and you don't know what the promises of God are for you, I'm telling you, you can do so much in this day and age by Googling it. Seriously, put in what is the scripture for dealing with this? And I'm telling you, it's going to pop up and give you some promises of the word of God. We've got to stir up our expectation and change our thinking and get some promises from the word of God. It's time to get up. And then Jesus says to the man, pick up, pick up your mat. Well, what does that mean? Why does he tell him to do that? You know, maybe the reason that we don't pray bold prayers is because we don't know what steps of faith those bold prayers are going to ask us to take. When Jesus tells this man to pick up his mat, he's saying, you're not going back to that place again. Pick up your mat. Remove the fallback. You see, this mat had become this man's identity. This is where he laid day in and day out, waiting for a miracle. And some of you have been stuck in a place of hopelessness, just hanging in your mess. And you've got this mat that has become your identity. It's what you talk about. It's what you think about. It's what all your relationships are centered around. And Jesus' word is, no, you've got to pick up that mat. It's time to stop staying in the same place where you have been. And listen, you can't have that fall back any longer. You don't need that plan B. I think all of us are guilty of trying to reason things out in our own mind, aren't we? When we are frustrated and we're overwhelmed, we always make up a plan B. Well, if this doesn't work out, then I'll do this. And what Jesus is saying, no, I want you to hang on to my promise. I want you to hang on to my word. I want you to remove that plan B and trust that if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And so some of us need to pick up that mat. Maybe you're here today and you feel stuck in your finances. Well, listen, picking up the mat means you might need to cut up the credit card. You might actually need to start tithing. Why? Because the word of God says so. Some of you feel stuck in your marriage. And maybe you need to cut up the idea of threatening divorce and actually start seeing a pastor or a coach and getting some help in your relationship. Some of you feel stuck because you're raising disobedient and defiant kids and you don't know what to do about it and you're going to have to stop being their best friend. They don't need a friend, they need a parent. Stop giving them everything that they want. Some of you feel stuck in a health crisis and you need to actually ask for prayer. Some of you are here and you've been battling something that you've been too afraid to get checked out because you don't know what the doctors are going to tell you. And you've got to pick up that mat and stop worrying about having to fall back and start trusting that Jesus is your healer. And go and get some medical opinions. Start praying big, bold prayers. Start changing your diet, whatever you have to do, but pick up the mat. If you're addicted, you've got to actually tell somebody and ask for help. Pick up the mat. Jesus said, get up pick up, and then he said, walk. Get up, pick up, and walk. You know why he said walk? Because there's no more lounging by the pool. You know, one commentator presented this idea that an Eastern beggar, which is what this man was, he, he survived on the donations of everyone else, says an Eastern beggar loses a good living by being healed of their disease. You see, defeating this monster of hopelessness means you can't stay where you've been. You can't stay where you've been any longer. The attention that you've gotten for this situation that you've been walking through, you can't stay there any longer. It's time to walk. No more fumbling aimlessly. 
No more just walking through life without any purpose, feeling like I'm not even getting anywhere. No more running recklessly. You've got to actually get your life on target and move towards it. And maybe you're here and you're just struggling. You're like, that sounds great, but I don't even know how to get my life on target. I just want to encourage you that we have done everything that we can do at the Movement Church to set it up for you to be able to figure out how to get a target. In fact, if you're here right now and you just don't know what that looks like, you can pull out your phone right now and you can text the word next step to the number that's on the screen behind me and listen. In a couple of minutes, you can discover what your next step is, how to have a target to aim at. Listen, to get up, pick up, and walk. We've got to stop feeding on the buffet of comparison. We've got to stop looking through the lens of everyone else's life. We're going to have to actually slay the cynic and the it's not fair mentality. But I think that so many of us prefer predictable pain to uncertain gain, don't we? So often we prefer the predictable pain to the uncertain gain. As bad as the situation might be, at least we're familiar with it. At least we know it. It's not going to surprise us. And sometimes we can get more comfortable in our present misery than actually taking the steps we need to take to be free. But I just want to encourage you today, church, that this feeling of hopelessness, this feeling of being stuck is not a depiction of reality. It's the lie that you've been listening to and maybe even the lie that you've been telling yourself. And it's time to slay the zombie and to renew your mind, to get a hold of the promises of God. You know, I love this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 through 13, and it says, Dear, dear Corinthians, but I might paraphrase it, Dear, dear Movement Church, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel, the stuckness you feel, the hopelessness you feel, it comes from within you. But listen, your lives aren't small. You're just living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives, live openly and expansively. Hey, listen, Movement Church, it's time to get up. It's time to stir up your faith again. It's time to stir up your expectation for what God wants to do in your life. It's time to pick up, to remove the plan B, to burn the mat. You're not going back to that place where you used to be. And it's time to walk. It's time to take some steps with purpose, to aim your life in the direction that God created you for in the first place. And listen to me, there's gonna be moments where the monster of hopelessness, it tries to rear its ugly head again. Listen, it, it's gonna happen. Where it's gonna whisper the same lies of feeling stuck and feeling unnoticed and feeling invalidated. And there's gonna be times where you, just like me, binge on the buffet of comparison and jealousy and criticism. There's gonna be moments where you feel stuck. And listen, there will inevitably be waiting seasons of life. You know, we sang that song earlier during worship. Take courage, my heart. Hold steadfast my soul. He's in the waiting. 
And that song is this declaration. It's me reminding myself that I'm not giving up, that the situation may feel overwhelming. It may feel hopeless, but no, God is found in the midst of the waiting if I will acknowledge him. You see, David in the Psalms, when he wrote the scripture, he told God all the things that he felt, like his life was over, like he was just fading away. But he always came back to say, but God, I will trust you. But God, I know you will save me, rehearsing his trust in God. I love the scripture that says, wait upon the Lord, take courage and wait upon the Lord. Listen, your thoughts lead and your feelings will follow. So you have got to begin to slay that monster of hopelessness, of being stuck by renewing your mind. It's time to get up, to pick up, and to walk. And I want to pray for some of you in the room this morning. I don't know what, what situation you might find yourself in. And every story in this room is completely different. But I do know that if you're walking through a season where you felt stuck, or you felt the monster of hopelessness just trying to press in and whisper his ugly lies, that sometimes what you need is people around you to say, I'm standing with you. I'm believing for you. I'm believing God's going to change this situation. And so I'd like to pray for you today. So if you're here and you just say, I could use a little prayer. I've been battling with feeling stuck or maybe a little bit hopeless. Would you just slip your hand up so I know who to pray for? Awesome. All over the room. I think we can all identify, can't we? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, I just come before you right now. God, I thank you for every person in this room today. God, I thank you that you know exactly where they're at. The circumstances that they're walking through, the, the feelings of hopelessness and just the areas where they feel stuck like things are not going to change. And God, I thank you that you have good plans for us. I know this because your word says that you do. So God, I just pray that you would begin to increase our faith, increase our expectation to believe for the impossible, to get up, to pick up, and to walk. That when we leave this room today, that there's going to be a new kind of hunger and expectation inside each and every one of us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, before we, we go on and we move into a time of baptism, I just, I can't leave a service without talking to, to some of you in this room who maybe you walked in and maybe you're wrestling with your faith. In fact, maybe somebody drug you to church. I don't know your story. But maybe you're here and you've just been wrestling with what you believe and maybe you've been struggling with hopelessness. And I want to tell you, it's impossible to know hope unless you know the giver of hope. And there's a God in heaven who loves you so much that he gave his son Jesus to pay the price for every single one of our sins. And the Bible says when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, at that moment, this free gift of salvation is ours for the taking. And I don't know who you are or what your story is, but I do know that in order to move into all that God has for you, you're going to have to stop trying to do it all on your own. You weren't made for that. God wants a real relationship with you. Just like Shane has said during worship, that he'll never leave you or forsake you. Like he'll walk with you through the things that you're walking through. And if you're here today and you have never started a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Or maybe you're here and you've just been running in the opposite direction. And it's time to come back and get your life on track. So I'm going to ask everybody in this room just for a few more moments. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? 
And if you're here today and you've never made a decision to surrender your life to God, I want to give you that opportunity. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. And you don't have to pray out loud, and you don't have to get out of your seat. But all around this room, if that's you and you need to make that decision today, would you just in your own heart and in your own mind, between you and God, let this be the cry of your heart? You say, dear God, I know that I've sinned. And I ask you to forgive me. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for loving me before I ever got things right. And today I make a decision to follow you. And all around this room, if that's you and this is the decision you're making, would you just let these simple words be the cry of your heart? Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.
If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.